great stories from amazing people. Conversations from the Marsh at Podcast Alley. This is Sports and More with Dean Millard. So my first Western Hockey League game was in Red Deer. Um, and my grandparents were there and everyone was there. It was exciting. Um, that's a good question. I think I was more nervous for my first NHL game uh, just because it was against Alexander Ovechkin, who obviously <laughs> has been an absolute star in the league for a long time. Wow. Uh, will go down as, you know, greatest goal scorer of all time. Um, I think that reason there is why I was a little more nervous and we were on the road so I figured that at some point I'd be caught out on the ice against him hopefully not but (laughs) maybe Um, but yeah that was I mean they're both just a complete blur you're so nervous you you just get out and try to do absolutely everything as simple as possible and and try not to get noticed at all (laughs) off the glass and out right yeah absolutely Hello there, and welcome to Sports and More, episode 60. That was the voice of Mark Pesek, who uh, wore the jerseys uh, that you see if you are watching this, and you can now. You see a few Oil King jerseys, some Team Canada, and the Buffalo Sabres, uh, some of the teams that he played for. How are you? This is episode 60 of Sports and More, where almost anything goes. My name is Dean Millard, and we will hear much more from Mark Pesek on uh, first games, first goals, and first championships, especially with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Lots to talk about. He's going to give us uh, kind of a a brief look at what the bubble life was like because he was there for a little bit. And uh, we're going to do word association as we try to do with a lot of uh, former athletes or current athletes in this case. Uh, It's really nice to get a guy currently playing in the lead to kind of get the, uh, the opinion on a few guys. And obviously he signed with the Dallas Stars now reuniting him with uh, head coach Derek Laxdahl. So that is coming up with Mark Pesek. we got a few things to get to. Uh, first of all, uh, we will also have our top three presented by Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports, our poll question by UFFS as well, and top three, uh, top th- or perfect player rather, perfect player is uh, the best horror villains. It's October, I go crazy for Halloween, so I want to know who you think. If you could take... Three horror villains to make the perfect horror villain. Who would it be? Our poll question will be about your Oil King memory, and our top three is dumb things people do in horror movies. Yes, people do a lot of dumb things as horror movie characters. Uh, but first thing we have to do is get to our uh, weekly tribute. And uh, the weekly tribute this week is going out to um, Rob and Grace Zitlau. Uh, unfortunately, no longer with us uh, they, they passed in a car accident uh, very recently and um, Rob is a guy that I had the pleasure of working with this program that I'm using uh, to broadcast this show on video uh, he introduced me to it uh, just a terrible tragedy uh, him and his uh, wife uh, killed in a car accident uh, way too young and uh, if you were ever involved with Edmonton amateur sports you probably came in contact with Rob, whether you knew it or not. If you were watching one of your son's niece, nephews, granddaughters games, they were probably recorded by Rob at ICU video. 
Uh, he did a lot. I remember we at, when I was at Global Television, any high school football game pretty much we got from Rob Zitlow. He would record them. Um, I think they actually were sent over in a cab. Our, uh, we had this wonder producer, Ann Stark. She just did everything. Uh, this is the coordinator extraordinaire. Anyway, she she would get these highlights from Rob. They were wonderfully shot. It was awesome. And then, um, you know, later on in my broadcasting career, I had the pleasure to work with him, uh, calling junior football games, working with him at the Brick Tournament, Edmonton Prospects games. He did so much work. I have no idea what is going to happen. It's a massive void for, obviously, Edmonton Sports, but even bigger for the Zitlau family. So uh, to Rob and Grace, we're certainly thinking and missing you um, more and more. And it was just uh, so strange because I was just talking uh, to my wife about Rob and the things we were working on. And, you know, if you ever watched any of the Prospects games that they did last year, uh, they had the, a, whole, a home plate camera. It was just ridiculously good. So, uh, And I know Dave Foley, Dave, this is a really tough time for you, uh, Rob's right-hand man at ICU Video. So certainly uh, we are thinking of uh, the Zitlau family and uh, friends right now. A lot of people Rob uh, came in contact with in a really, really good way. All right, now I want to tell you about the top three, as easy of a segue as that was. It is brought to you by the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Platform, and, you know, we love, we love fantasy. It's great. I, You know, I'm saddened that on this Thursday night, as I'm recording this, there's no Thursday night football game to watch. But we love fantasy sports, but they're even better with Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. It's the most realistic thing out there. There are only 31 franchises, soon to be 32, You've got a full 23-man roster, a 23-player reserve list, a stockpile with prospects who are, by the way, scouted by actual scouts. Uh, Yeah, there are scouting agencies that scout these players because they're not just players. They are digital assets on the blockchain. It's such a unique format. Uh, You can uh, use digital currency to buy and sell these players, build a championship team, or stockpile for the future. And no other platform has a scouting uh, platform like this one. It is amazing. We actually have our draft this weekend and then the uh, open market for the scouts. So it's a very important time. And you can get in the game where you own the game. Head to www.uffsports.com. And they are the presenting sponsor of our top three. And our question is, what are the top three dumbest things people do in horror movies? Okay, so my honorable mention, and this is like, should be just no-brainer. A no-brainer. This is a no-brainer, this one. Uh, But if you don't leave when stuff is going on, you deserve to be haunted. Every horror movie. Oh, why are the forks stuck in the roof? What's going on? Oh, like, listen, if I'm sitting here right now and I'm doing this show, and one of these jerseys starts flying around, I'm out, man. I am done. Horror movie characters, they don't leave soon enough. So when stuff's going on in your neighborhood, don't worry about calling the Ghostbusters. Just get up. Three. Number three. Don't taunt ghosts. Horror people that sit there and think they're cool and they start getting lippy, that just pisses the ghosts off. If you ever watched a horror movie, that's it. The second dumbest thing they do is split up. Don't split up. Stay with the group. You ever watch a pack of wolves hunt? The straggler always gets it. Same thing in horror movies. Don't split up. And the number one thing to never do, and the dumbest thing people do in horror movies, is 
sneak off to have the sex. Yeah, you're guaranteed going to get chopped or whatever it is by the monster, vampire bitten, werewolf eaten, I don't know, if you're sneaking off to have the sex. So don't do that. Do not sneak off to have the sex if you're in a horror movie. And if you're into fantasy, check out Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. You own the game, so get in the game at www.uffsports.com. Uh, really quickly, before we get to Mark Pesic, I want to tell you about Podcast Alley. We'll have uh, one-timers with Mark uh, in a couple of days. Also, the final episode, Season 1 of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button is available right now. You can listen to that. We'll have Season 2 starting up next week. Fantasy Fun Time comes out uh, tomorrow morning. We had some technical difficulties, so we're going to reschedule that recording. And on the Cannabis 101 podcast, Jim Hole of the legendary Hole family, uh, horticulture legends, uh, joined me. He's now growing for Atlas Growers. He's the VP of Cultivation. Uh, so I'll have Jim Hole and One Hitters. You can find it all at www.podcastalley.ca. It's right near the Hammock District. You can find all your podcast needs right there. All right. Let's get to Mark Pesic, our featured guest. And before we do, we'll tell you a little bit about him with the bio. Time for the bio. Mark Pesic was born in Edmonton, Alberta, and moved just outside the city to Sherwood Park when he was in grade three. He grew up in the bedroom community playing hockey and was the first ever draft pick of the modern-day Edmonton Oil Kings. He spent four full seasons with the Oil Kings, helping them win a WHL championship on home ice in 2012. The Buffalo Sabres took him 23rd overall in 2010, and he spent the first four years of his NHL career with the Sabres before being traded to the Florida Panthers, where he suited up for another four years. This offseason, his first as an unrestricted free agent, he signed with the Dallas Stars. Mark and his wife Oakley have a daughter named Milo. Mark, it is uh, great to uh, see you and uh, chat with you again. It's uh, It's been a long time. I remember the first time we met was in a, a small, cold arena in Ardrossan, uh, I came out to do the uh, athlete of the week. I think it was when I was with Global because yeah. <laughs> you were projected to be such a high, high draft pick. So uh, you know we've known each other for a long time. It's not quite as cold as it was then, but you are getting kind of uh, cold with this weather we're having right now. Absolutely, it feels ten times colder now than from what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> what what happens when you tell people that right now that you're cold? They just look at you uh, like, wow. Oh, yeah, I get a lot of people laughing at me, telling me I'm soft. And you know what? That's fine. I, I know that I'm soft. It's just, it's cold here. I don't yeah. care what you say. It's cold. 10 degrees is cold. <laughs> I think I think if any of us spent, uh, you know, as much time as you have in, in South Florida, I, I think we would all probably think this is uh, pretty cold as well. Um, I, I just wanted to ask you one thing. I, you know, I remember when I first met you, uh, you know, I was trying to pronounce your name. What is the wor- What are some of the worst butcherings of your last name that you've heard over the time? Uh, it's good. I get uh, psych, um, pesky a couple times, and you just. I mean, I understand because there's some names I look at and I, for sure, butcher as well. So I don't ever take offense to it if people call me by 
the wrong yeah. name because I get it. Could be there could be different pronunciations, but yeah, Psych is one that I'm like, well, it's a little bit all of right. a stretch, but okay. <laughs> yeah, good stories uh, for, for yeah. that. Um, all right, so your first foray into unrestricted free agency this year, um, and and obviously a strange one to go about it. But what was it like for you? Yeah, it was um, definitely the perfect time to be a, a UFA with COVID and not sure when the season's starting. So it was uh, obviously not ideal, um, you know, coming off the year I had where I didn't play many games as a defenseman. Uh, it was it was a little bit nerve-wracking just when, you know, there wasn't too much action right from the start uh, in the morning. Um, but it was exciting. I mean, we talked to a couple teams. There wasn't... Uh, like I said, wasn't too many actual offers, but um, it was different, definitely different talking to a couple teams, you know, throughout the course of the day than than the past, where you're just just basically negotiating with the one team that you're uh, restricted to. And and so much different than kind of trade deadline, where you know trade deadline, you guys are you know practicing during this thing. Free agency, you know, you know, you, you're, you, something that's going to happen with you. Trade deadline, you're not sure and you're practicing. Mm-hmm. So was it like, were you antsy? Were you nervous? Like, did you do stuff to kind of pass the time? What was it like? Uh, I was pretty good. I was, uh, you know, just kind of going about my day. But my wife, you know, kept calling me. She called me right after workout, called me <laughs> right before lunch. She said, hey, hearing anything, hearing anything. And uh, it, I wasn't hearing anything at that point. But like I said, I was trying to just go about my day. I, I, I wasn't sure if it was going to happen that first day, the second day, or if we'd have to wait, you know, a couple of weeks. So I wasn't, wasn't getting too rattled the first day. Uh, had it gone on a little longer, I'm, I'm sure the roles would have reversed and I would have been, you know, a little bit of a nervous wreck and my wife would have been talking me off the ledge, but, um, it was, it was pretty good. It was like I said, we only waited, uh, you know, the first day, it, it could have been a lot, lot scarier. So, and, and, you know, this is obviously a family decision. You're no longer single. You have a family now. So, you know, you're deciding where you're going as a family. Did you guys basically have a list like here's the teams that we would like to go to and if we get an offer, it's okay? Or, you know, what was the, that kind of the family discussion like? Yeah, we kind of waited because we weren't sure. You know, throughout the year um, and, and trade deadline you brought up, there was uh, some talks with other teams and, uh, you know, other teams showed a little bit of interest. So we we had kind of a feel on, on which teams kind of might be interested. And, and also my agent looks at the, the depth charts and sees which mm-hmm. teams need a defenseman and whatnot. Um, and after hearing a few of those, we, we were just kind of excited and uh, looking forward to a new opportunity. Um, and then once teams started calling on the day, then we, uh, then we kind of sat down and looked and, and yeah, it's a bigger decision now. Uh, you know, I got a, a year and a half old daughter that uh, is going to be obviously living in a different city. Um, there's a lot more that goes into it, but uh, at, at the end of that day, we were extremely, extremely happy with, uh, with Dallas. All right, so let's chat about that. Uh, you know, why the Dallas Stars? And, you know, I'll let you explain the, uh, the many good things that they have going on there. Well, yeah, um, we, uh, like I said, we had a, a couple of teams interested at the end of that day. Um, and Dallas, my wife, and I made some pros and cons lists and Dallas was, uh, was the front runner. So then by the time my agent came back to me and said, Hey, they have an offer for you. It was, uh, it was just pure excitement. You know, the team, they went to the Stanley cup final. They have a great team. Uh, 
you know, the way they play is it looks fun, exciting, uh, in a good structure. They have a lot of good, good players. Um, and the coaching staff, there's some familiarity with, uh, Derek Laxtall being there. Um, it just, it just seemed like a good fit. And we've had friends that, that played there for a couple of years and, and had absolutely nothing but good things to say about the city, about the team, about the organization. So, uh, looking back on it now, it looks, uh, it looks pretty, like a pretty big no brainer. And, mm -hmm. um, I think even then once, once they offered something, it, uh, it kind of was. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, guys really do reach out to one another and say, hey, you played here for what's, what's it like? You know, what's the city? What's where? You know, th that really does happen quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Especially in, you know, trades, free agency. When you're when you're moving to a new team quickly, the the community of hockey is so, so small. And, and everybody's got either a friend there that's played there or themselves have played there. And uh, you, you can find out pretty quickly, uh, you know, the things you want to know about the team and the city. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I've got a couple of jerseys of uh, the uh, the Oil Kings awesome. up in the... Uh, I don't have... I'm going to have to get a Pesic jersey in here somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll have to get one. But there's the Sabres jersey for those watching and uh, some, some Oil Kings. And, and you mentioned Derek Laxtall. So the familiarity of, of playing with a guy who you had, uh, you know, a whole lot of success at, uh, sex, success with, uh, with the Oil Kings, what, what was that factor like for you? Yeah, that was just kind of an added bonus that, um, you know, there is some familiarity. It seems like there's a, a good group of guys there that are such a close knit team. It's going to be a, you know, a little bit intimidating going into something like that, but to have a, a familiar face and, familiar personality that I've worked with in the past, I think will hopefully ease those nerves a little bit. Um, and I'm excited. We obviously had, like you said, success playing junior and um, I'm excited and looking forward to the, uh, the new challenge in the NHL with him. So how much did you watch the, the Dallas stars? You know, you're, you know, you're going into free agency. Were you watching a whole bunch of teams uh, differently? And then, Ultimately, you know, you're, you're, you're watching the Stanley Cup final, seeing the stars as maybe one of those teams on your list. What was that like? Uh, it was it was interesting. There wasn't a lot of uh, hockey being watched, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, by me, once you're once we were out of the bubble, it was kind of like, uh, you know, you're we were pretty uh, upset yeah. that we weren't still playing. So I kind of tuned it out for the next couple of rounds. Um, and then obviously, once the final came around, that's uh, that's a lot a lot more excitement around there. And I watched the last couple games, uh, the one where Perry scored in the second overtime. Right. Um, and it was, yeah, it was cool. And I had no clue at that point that uh, the Dallas Stars would even be interested. Hmm. Um, but it was cool watching a team like that, that, you know, never gave up. They were down a bunch. Uh, they were close to being down 3-1, I think, against Calgary. Um, it was cool just seeing a team like that bounce back and, um now, obviously, looking back, it's weird watching your future team play, and uh, <laughs> unfortunately, they lost. Uh, but yeah, just a great team, uh, great systems. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, a guy like you that can skate uh, really has to love how they play. I mean, their their D were almost like a fourth forward sometimes. And you know, I, I talk with Craig Button quite a bit, and he said I would be more worried about those defensemen in Dallas than some of the forwards because they're always jumping into the play, and you always have to have your head on the swivel as an opponent. Uh, does that kind of excite you a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, to be jumping into a system like that. Uh where you've seen, you've seen a lot of those defensemen have uh, that offensive success, and obviously they've been 
they've been given that chance by the coaching staff and by the systems like that uh, is kind of catered towards, you know, their good skating defensemen that they already have. Um, it's going to be, uh, it, it'll hopefully, hopefully be fun to be a part of that. It'll be, um, you know, exciting to see those guys and excited to, you know, jump up in the rush and, and add to that as well. No doubt. So what was life like for you? You know, you guys are carrying on with the NHL season and then, you know, the NBA shuts down and then you guys shut down. What what happened from then until you got back into training camp for, for you and your family? Yeah, we were actually uh, in Dallas, supposed to play the next night uh, when everything got canceled. Uh, we were supposed to play that night when everything got canceled. Um, and that was it. It was kind of panic. We went back to Florida, obviously. A few guys went home, but uh, my wife and I, with our daughter, we just stayed in Florida, kind of quarantined in the house. Uh, it was it was awesome for me. <laughs> I, uh, was a stay-at-home dad for a while. I got to see – I was there for my daughter's first birthday. Um, nice. So there was a lot of things that, that I was really enjoying. Uh, but I think my wife's going a little stir-crazy. Uh, but as for me, it was good. We we uh, we got a good little routine going. We'd wake up and – uh, the weather was obviously amazing, so we could go outside for a walk and, uh, you know, get outside, get some fresh air, and then uh, the rest of the day it was just hanging with uh, the little one. Wow. So it was, it was, uh, and, you know, you obviously you wanted to be playing hockey, but the, the family time it gave you and the kind of the downtime, and, you know, did you, do you have a bunch of stuff at home to work out with, or were you doing, like, lifting dogs and things like that like some of the other guys? <laughs> well, no, it was funny because the, like the minute it got canceled, uh, my wife texts me, says, what do you need for workout equipment? And I, I, I'm pretty sure I text it back. Just ha ha ha. What do you talk about? Like, just relax. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be a week and we'll be back playing. Like, don't waste your time. Right. And then fast forward three months, we have some workout stuff that she bought on her own. And she just looks at me like, Hmm, are you sure this is a stupid <laughs> idea? I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, for the first time we've been together, you were right. That's, <laughs> That's right, first time for everything. So just yeah. tried to stay in shape as best you could, uh, doing things around home? Yeah, I had my uh, my trainer from back here sending me some uh, some workout stuff to mm-hmm. do just to just to stay ready. It wasn't uh, it wasn't too too crazy, but uh, we had uh, we got a bike, like a stationary bike from the team and uh, it was it was more than enough to stay in shape and we uh, I think we did a, a decent job of not uh, – there was definitely some days where you get up and you, the end was nowhere near in sight, so right. you just <laughs> want to not do anything. But uh, I think we did a decent job there, and the guys in Florida, everybody was texting each other, kind of seeing what everyone's doing, and I think uh, I think a lot of guys did a good job of that. Well, it's so interesting, you know, in a normal year, you finish whenever you finish, hopefully the last game of the year holding the Stanley Cup, but then you you know when your season is starting and you can kind of ramp up your workouts and your intensity to that. So this was kind of just like a holding pattern that you just kind of just wanted to almost like a, like the, the just the, the middle part of the off season, I, I'd imagine. Yeah, exactly. They kept uh, kind of pushing it back two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, and um, everyone kind of had their inside scoop that all oh, this is happening, this is happening, and then boom, push it back another two weeks. So yeah. there was definitely some times of uh, some low points of uh, in regards to working out and staying in the best of shape. Um, but I think overall, it was definitely 
a weird, weird, like you said, middle of the off season for an extended period of time. So you get to the bubble. Finally, you get back to, you know, training camp and, you know, everybody seemed to to be able to come in in, in good shape and spirits. What was bubble life like? I, I, I want to talk about the hockey in a second, but what was the off ice like? Were team were you just hanging out in the areas with your own guys? Were teams like co mingling? Like it's so weird. Like this is not the minor hockey mini sticks in the hallway. This is for the Stanley Cup playoffs. What was that experience like? It was cool, um, and I think we were only there for was it ten days or thirteen days, something like that. So I think the the kind of the the bubble setting in where you can't leave sure. didn't really quite hit us too hard um, but it was fun it was like a it was pretty well like a road trip uh, the NHL did an amazing job with the restaurants we had and uh, you know the things to do uh, there was a lot of hanging out with just the obviously teams kind of stuck to their floor mm-hmm. each team had their own floor and uh, we were in our our players lounge most of the time just playing cards or dice or whatever just to kind of pass the time um but it it was weird like you'd be we were playing the islanders obviously and you're riding the elevator with <laughs> some guys from their team yeah. after the game or before the game it's just it was definitely a weird weird situation but uh it it was cool it was fun and like i said it wasn't uh it wasn't too mentally tough for us cuz we weren't there for too too long but i'd imagine as the as the rounds went on and um the time went on, I'm sure it got a little bit uh, more difficult for those guys. Yeah, listen, I don't care, um, you know, what job you do, how much money you make, how famous you might be. Being away from your family is hard for anybody. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of people were saying, well, what about these people that are away from their family? It doesn't matter what job you do. Obviously, you know, people in the military are are putting their lives on the line and stuff like that, but you're still away from family members, and that can be hard on a lot of people. So... You know, for those guys that did make it all the way through, I, I'd imagine it was a much different grind than other years. The travel wasn't there. You didn't have that. But the emotional grind, I think, probably would have been pretty difficult just for some guys being away from family members. Yeah, no, for sure. And and that's not taking anything away from the other jobs, like you said, in the military. That is mm-hmm. obviously very difficult and nobody – I don't think anyone in the world would argue that. Um, it's just that that definitely was a factor, uh, you know, going into those later rounds. Sure. Um, guys have little kids, guys have pregnant wives, guys have, you know, family members who could be sick potentially. There's a lot of stuff that I'm sure went on behind the scenes that, you know, nobody really knows the full thing and, and you're there competing with the guys next to you. Um, and, and people see what goes on the ice and, and that stuff. But I'm sure there was a lot more, uh, you know, kind of behind closed doors that that was very difficult for guys that were there for such a long time to be dealing with. I always just wondered what it would have been like for like Brad Marchand to be in like the Tim Hortons lineup and like Matt Martin is there and like you know <laughs> yeah. what, you know what happens if there was a heated exchange on the ice I just like it's just it's it's just a such a different thing now I'm I'm sure hockey people like everybody else when they go home they kind of leave things at the rink and you know you you might be intense but you guys are professionals and um as awkward as it might have been it was good to hear that there was no hallway scuffles or anything yeah, like that yeah. coming out of uh, any of that stuff um now what about the on ice stuff what was it like playing without fans you know you guys were there for a little bit was it did you ever get used to it 
Um, yeah, it was, and I don't know if they had it when we were there, uh, the crowd noise, or if they added that on later, but watching it on TV, it seemed like you were watching a normal game. Um, and, and even playing, it was, it didn't seem as weird as you would think. Uh, it definitely was different, you know, in warmups, there's nobody at the glass, there's yeah. nothing like that. There's a big hit or a big block shot. It's still just silent and music, but, um, the NHL did such a good job of, you know, when the Islanders were the home team, they did stuff that they do at their rink. You know, they had their anthem singers. They had their in-between whistle, uh, whatever they did, games, stuff like that on the Jumbotron. So it did seem like a lot closer to the real thing than, uh, than, than you might think. I found it uh, really interesting and awesome. Early on, while they were still working out, and the, the NHL did a great, like, I can't imagine... The, the amount of work that went into that. But I, I loved early on when you could hear the trash talking and you could hear stuff going on on the ice and stuff like that. Yeah. That must have been that must have been a little bit weird. Yeah, that was a little bit uh a little bit different. You know you can hear everything. So if yeah. guys are chirping from the bench, you, you hear clearly and uh, I'm sure there was some guys that were a little bit worried uh what might be overheard uh <laughs> if it was on T V but uh luckily there was nothing like that. I think they had it on a well, they must have had it on a delay. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. So they could cut out some of the some of the stuff that's probably not safe for TV. Yeah, it was it was great hearing guys yelling at other guys in the penalty yeah. box. You <laughs> yeah. could hear everything. It was crazy. So yeah. now yeah. you guys are in a um, you kind of have a target date of January first, um, mm-hmm. and and hopefully that happens. And you know, if there's no fans, there's this float this idea being floated of playing games on like Lake Louise or something like like can you imagine the <laughs> the settings you can have? But you know, yeah. what's what's your mindset right now? Is January first that date and you know, you know, December so training camps, is that what's kind of floating in your head right now? Yeah, so I think the the latest, like you said, is January first. Um and as for that, that's pretty much all I've heard. Um You'd probably be more in the know than I would. I don't, I don't do too much digging. I have a few info guys. Uh, Colton Sevier, he's my he's my guy that I text for stuff. So if he doesn't know, then I don't know. Um, so he he said maybe obviously January first. That's that's the goal right now. Um, and so that's that's all we could do is prepare for that. Uh, we're not sure when we're going to head down to to Dallas or anything like that yet. Uh, I'm sure we'll wait till there's more concrete uh, Mm -hmm. plans, but as for now, just try to stay on the ice as much as possible. Um, And, and it can't be any sooner than January 1st, I don't think. So obviously preparing for that day is, is all we can do right now. So what's your routine like now? Is it uh, like, is it kind of like a holding pattern off season routine until you start ramping it up and you know, are are you on the ice every day? Uh, I was on the ice the last couple of weeks, uh, two or three times a week. So nothing, nothing too crazy. We still obviously have, you know, half of this month and then all of November at the, mm-hmm. at the very least. Um, so I think in the next week or so here, I'll try to get more ice and, uh, try to wrap that up a little bit just to, just to stay ready. And obviously, like I said, just, just shoot for that January 1st. So you're heading to Dallas. Uh, they're just coming off the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, they've won the Cup in '99. Um, just take me back to the Florida vibe. Uh, you know, the 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 the, the Panthers. The, you know, they get uh, joked about. I make jokes about them all the time. But what what was the hockey vibe like for the players down there? Uh, it was good. I mean, 
like you said, people make jokes all the time and there's stuff floating around the internet all the time of the, the crowds and stuff. But, but when we were there and, and you put a few wins together, the, the fans were great. They were there. They were passionate. It was loud. Uh, you know, a Friday night in Florida, it, it was good. It was, it was fun to play there. There was lots of noise. Um, and it, it was nice not be, you know, you'd never get recognized that, not that mm-hmm. I would get recognized in another city, but you know, the, like Barkov and Huberto and Yando, those guys, they wouldn't, they could kind of go about their business, go for dinner and stuff. And I think that that's a big draw for some people that there's kind of that, uh, when you leave the rink, it, you can really, really let go of hockey and, and kind of switch gears. Well, listen, you, you grew up in this, this area and you yeah, know yeah. what it's like for maybe a Connor McDavid to, to try to go out for dinner or something like that. So there is that kind of that, that privacy that it gives you. Um, and, and so you played for Buffalo, well, where you got drafted. You played for Florida and kind of two organizations that are you know still trying to get it going. Now you're stepping into a team that just came off the Stanley Cup Finals. This is going to be very different for you. Even go back to junior. You walked in as the first draft pick on a team building to something. How different is this going to be for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's. It's intimidating uh, to be honest that they uh, that they've had so much success uh, obviously this past year um, and there hasn't been a, a ton of movement on their roster so it uh, it's definitely exciting to to join a group like that that uh, you know get, they know exactly what to do and how to do it and they have done it um, so I'm excited it's gonna be uh, it's like you said it's gonna be different um, I just yeah like I say I can't wait to get started and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. You have some familiarity, as mentioned. Uh, do you know, kind of in discussions uh, of of you know how the blue line is going to shake out? Do you wait more for free agency to have those kind of discussions and things like that? Uh, yeah, just kind of wait. I think there's a cup. I think it's pretty. There's three or four right shot defensemen, and and the same thing on the left. So we'll see. Uh, obviously, once training camp gets started, whenever that may be, I'm sure that's when the mm-hmm all the final decisions will be made, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. You, you're a pretty smooth skater and, and that's one of the, the hallmarks of your game. What are your thoughts on a guy like, uh, Miro Heiskanen and how he gets around the ice? Yeah, well, it's, uh, that's another funny one. My, my other info guy here is my buddy that, uh, I grew up with and went to school with, and he has been a huge fan of his for, you know, right from when he came into the league and he's been telling me to watch him and he'd always send me clips uh on instagram of him skating and uh so when i told him i was with dallas he was he was pretty pumped up about that and and i'm excited as well to see him uh live you know we only see them a couple times a year but uh he is a phenomenal skater and it it's crazy those guys that skate like that they don't look like they're moving a million miles an hour but then they just blow the doors off guys and they're right around them uh it's uh it's pretty cool to see how smooth guys like that are yeah i remember when when chris pronger spent his year in edmonton you know there were people that would be saying like oh this guy looks like he's not even trying well just because he had such large strides he was such a great skater they really do make it effortless those guys don't they oh yeah yeah like him and uh it's obviously like mcdavid when he goes he looks like he's skating at a normal yeah. like if you're just watching him it looks like he's skating normally and then you see everyone skating beside him not moving at all <laughs> that's pretty funny 
just give me your uh, your your first impressions when you were on the ice for the first time against Connor McDavid. What do you remember about that? Um, it was a couple of years ago, and I don't think I played too much against him, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. But I had, uh, you know, you see all his highlights. You're a little bit nervous for sure, uh, just because you don't see him that often, and and you don't want to be on the highlight reel going over and over again right, being that right. defenseman that he burns but uh i think the first year maybe i was out there a couple of shifts against him and and it's a weird feeling a guy that is you know a bunch of years younger than you but you know that he's a million times faster than you it's a little intimidating um but i think we did a good job our forwards locked it down pretty good so there wasn't wasn't too much uh coming in on us Oh, that's good. Uh, I want to go back to, uh, you know, we mentioned you were the first player drafted uh, by the Edmonton Oil Kings and, um, you you know, helped that franchise build into a contender so much so that you guys won a WHL championship in 2012. Um, The the one thing that I remember is I I don't know if I've ever seen a better goaltending performance than from Laurent Brassois in that playoff, particularly that series Mm -hmm. against uh, Portland, but a lot of that playoffs, and I know he was a little bit ill and sick at the Memorial Cup, but I, I still that 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 performance by that goaltender stood out to me. What what do you remember about his time in that championship run? Yeah, I think um, we played Moose Jaw in the third second, round. Yeah, if I'm, yeah, was it second or third? Second or third, one of the two. Yeah. So, and I think we there was a first game we lost in those playoffs. We swept the first round, and then. I think we swept the second round as well, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, they were kind of outplaying us, and, and that was the first time in that playoffs where there was some doubt in, in our minds, I think. And they won, I'm pretty sure it was game three. Uh, and we kind of, because we were on like a 21, yeah. 22 game win streak at that point. We hadn't lost in a long time. So we were looking around like, holy these guys are for real. Like this, this is going to be a real series here. And uh, the next night in Moostra again, we played and, and the same thing was happening. They were out playing us. I felt like it was slipping away and, and we could, we just couldn't, couldn't solve them. And in my, obviously this is what I remember from it. Could have been different, but, and him, I think he stole that game for us. Um, I think he was basically the sole reason why we won that game. Uh, and that's the one game that kind of turned around that series because if they would have won that and it was tied 2-2, I think it would have been uh, a lot different look. Uh, whether or not we would have won you know, later on in that series, who knows, but it definitely would have shifted the the feel of that series. And then once we got to Portland, um, you know, everybody, we had lost a few games by then, so we, we were mm. expecting or we knew kind of how to bounce back and handle it and um, – and he was spectacular the whole time, but that uh, that Moose Jaw series, I think, was when he really, you know, came through and, and proved to us that, you know, he's for real and and he'll help us, <laughs> even if we're not ready. He'll he'll win the game for us. He's got it. <laughs> yeah, he was he was so good, and uh, you know that mm-hmm. that that rivalry with Portland. It's amazing that it went three years in a row. Obviously, you, yeah. you weren't there for for a little bit of it, but you guys helped to build it and. You know, on the strength of flying, game uh, game five was in Edmonton. Game six yeah. was in Portland two days later. Game seven the next day. That, like, yeah, at what, noon, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, you must, you guys must yeah. have been just gassed during that game. Play, maybe playing on fumes a little bit? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, that game seven was, uh, like I said, at noon. I think we got home at, you know, three or four in the morning, and then you get up, go right to the rink, and play for uh, for a championship, uh, whether to extend your season or you're done. Uh, and the and the funniest part is you're flying on the same plane as yeah. the other team, <laughs> so all the guys you're battling with are at the back of the plane. Um, it was yeah, that was a a tough game, you know, physically, but not not tough mentally to get up for. It's game seven at home. Mm-hmm. It was thank God it didn't go to overtime or anything. It was enough nerves. Um, I think it, I think we won four one or something. So it was it was good that it wasn't too much of a nail biter yeah i kind of a guy could relax a, a little bit but yeah i guess you yeah. kind of you kind of have bubble experience with other teams because you flew with portland that whole series yeah. that yeah. must have been i think I, I remember you know being at the airport to see the teams off and coming back and they would load one team first and then the other is that how it worked yeah so it, whichever team was in the back obviously got on first and then the media and uh League staff would jump in the middle, and then the other team would be at the front. And, you know, there's good buddies. Like I said, the hockey world's so small, so you got buddies that you grew up with on that team. Yes, <laughs> yes. You, you want to say hi or have a little conversation with, but that probably doesn't look good for your for your team, you know, so everyone's acting all serious and, and mean and trying to – and then <laughs> once the series got started, it's – you actually have a little bit of that uh, that hate towards each other, so it was uh, it was an interesting travel for that do you, series. Do you remember anything ever uh, going on on the plane, like chirps back and forth, or anything like that, or was it all pretty? No, civil I don't and... think so. It was all pretty civil. I think yeah. I'm sure the league must have said something like, hey, sure. "This is for both flying. You guys got to be." Um, <laughs> I'm sure there was a lot of chirps, you know, behind the other team's back guys wearing something weird or maybe yeah. for sure we'd be laughing or they'd be laughing at us, but or just texting crazy. each other. It was all, t- it was all yeah. done by text probably. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. So you were the first uh, WHL pick of the Edmonton oil Kings in the draft. What do you remember about your first WHL game? And do you think you were more nervous for your first NHL game than their WHL game or because you had more experience by then now, what game do you think you were more nervous for, thinking back on them? Um, I think, so my first Western Hockey League game was in Red Deer. Um, and my grandparents were there, and everyone was there. It was exciting. Um, that's a good question. I think I was more nervous for my first NHL game, uh, just because it was against Alexander Ovechkin, who obviously has been an absolute star in the league for a long time, wow. uh, will go down as, you know, greatest goal scorer of all time. Um, I think that reason there is why I was a little more nervous. And we were on the road, so I figured that at some point I'd be caught out on the ice against him. Hopefully not, but <laughs> maybe. Um But yeah, that was, I mean, it, they're both just a complete blur. You're so nervous. you you just get out and try to do absolutely everything as simple as possible and, and try not to get noticed at all. <laughs> Off the glass and out, right? Yeah, absolutely. What, 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 what do you remember about your first, you know, I asked about your first uh, time on the ice with Big David. What about Ovi? What was that night like? I mean, did you get caught out uh, against them and did you ever have a one-on-one situation or anything like that? Uh, I think the only time was he was coming in and he shot one that, I don't know if it hit a stick or something and went out of the, like went over the glass and 
that was it. And then he kind of skated right by me. I had a, a long look at him just to see how massive he was. And, uh, you know, it's like seeing, seeing a movie star for the first time in real life. It was, uh, it was definitely starstruck at that point. I don't think people realize how big Alexander Ovechkin is. And when he hits you, no. <laughs> there is all, like, he, he hits you with a yeah. massive oh, yeah. force. Like, yeah. like, what is it? Like, there, there's Zidane Ochara, but Ovechkin is Ovechkin. He's he's a big dude, isn't he? Yeah, just all that momentum coming with his hit. Like you said, when he hits you, he's throwing absolutely everything he has into you. And, and he skates so fast that it's obviously a ton of momentum coming your way, so... Um, he got me in the head a couple, <laughs> was it like a couple seasons ago, uh, and, and put me out for a little while. So, uh, I definitely know the, uh, the impact and the force behind his hits, uh, firsthand. Yeah. yeah you, <laughs> yeah. you know, you gotta be aware of his goal scoring ability and keep your head on a swivel. Cause he's not afraid to run guys over for sure, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what was, uh, what would you describe as a, a better, goal and then we're just talking style points here <laughs> your first whl goal or your first nhl goal what were they like uh I, style points definitely um if we're watching in real time not the slow motion replay i'll say okay. the nhl goal was uh it was cooler it was a uh, one-timer on henrik lundqvist wow um yeah power play it was at the end of a game we were down eight one in the last minute of the game. <laughs> so I scored to make it 8-2. It might have been 8-2, making it 8-3. But either way, the game was long over. Obviously, it was over if I was on the power play. Um, but, yeah. And it went off the D-man in front. So Awesome. <laughs> so if you watch it in real time, it kind of looks like it went straight in. But slow motion, you could see it obviously go off their D-man. What was your celebration like in like an eight one or eight two yeah. game? Because <laughs> your first was, goal, you're uh, so excited. Yeah, I was pumped up, obviously, trying to kind of hide those emotions. And I, I think if anybody else scored, they wouldn't even done the flyby by the bench. But I think the guys in the huddle were all pumped up for me, and they go go go. So I was excited. It was awesome. I was smiling. It was even though we got beat pretty bad <laughs> did, did you do the lap by yourself in your first game too like the the warm-up no lap? i didn't do that because no? you no, guys were on the I road or? that one um maybe Does that happen on know. the road maybe yeah uh, okay if we you're... tried to do it to everybody this year <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay whl goal um we see some uh, whl jerseys uh also you you played for hockey canada as well with the world juniors what was your what do you remember about your first dub goal uh it was in brandon nice and... my hometown yeah, it was uh, just a shot. The puck came around the boards. I just grabbed it, threw it on net, and uh, I, I honestly didn't even see it go in. Uh, and it seems like every memory I have in that rink, it it reminds me of just a dark arena with the lights <laughs> off. So <laughs> that memory, too, it's a little bit darker. And in from my memory, I couldn't even see the net. Oh. Uh, I couldn't even see the puck in the net. So once the guys started celebrating, and I – First thought thought that somebody tipped it, but when they announced it and got the puck, it was uh, that was that was a pretty special one. That's kind of the first like puck that you keep and right. you know that they write on it first WHL goal. That's that's kind of the first one that you that you would keep. Uh, so that was pretty exciting. Do you have the, Do you display them or do you have them put away or what do you do with your pucks? Uh, they're 
So I think they might be at my parents' house now. Uh, nice. They're definitely not displayed, but there's a. And then the first NHL goal, they made a plaque for me, yes. and uh, that's a pretty cool one to to maybe someday put up in an office, but nothing. Nothing right now. No, that that you're right about the Keystone Center and Brandon. I call it the concrete jungle. I grew, I grew up playing <laughs> yeah. in that rink, and it, it was dark. They did do a lot of improvements when you know they hosted the Memorial Cup. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Your, your parents were actually at that because uh, they won the billet contest, and yeah. you know my wife rode in on the the shuttle, and uh, they were so that was kind of a neat uh, um, uh, event to be at because I got to know your family from the some of the stories we did uh, on them billeting and stuff like that, and. You know, obviously, um, just quickly, your your the family support that you've had. I know your family has always been so proud, but uh, you know the the sacrifices that they made for you to get to where you are. What does that mean for you? Yeah, I mean, you can't. I can't thank them enough. My obviously, both parents and my sister were uh, obviously as long as I can remember uh, the the biggest fans and supporters of mine. And uh, there's there was obviously some down times and some sad times where things weren't going so well and. Uh, they, they're always there and always supportive and always, you know, kind of looking at the bigger picture of, of how things have gone. And there's a lot to be happy for and thankful for and, uh, and watching them, they both, all three of them work so hard at everything they do that, uh, you, you kind of feel stupid going to the gym and complaining about, mm-hmm. uh, what I do for a living, uh, on those days that you don't really feel like doing it. And, um, you know, we've always been a close family where there's uh, a lot of conversation between all four of us. And, uh, yeah, they've supported me right from uh, right from the start. All right, let's wrap up with some uh, word association with some, some of your former teammates. And, and you, you don't have to be restricted to one word. You can give a few <laughs> words. Um, you know, okay. and, and, and the first guy is obviously somebody that's, uh, I think, near and dear to a lot of you guys that played, and that's uh, Christian Felsch. Christians, I think just smile. I think anytime you saw a, a video or a picture of him, he always had the biggest smile and it was, you know, it was just, that's what, what he was showing, what he was feeling on the inside. He was always happy to, to be doing whatever everyone was doing and happy to, you know, make people laugh. And he was always just had the biggest smile on his face. Uh, Stefan Legault. <laughs> Oh man, let's see. Bad golfer, <laughs> goofy. <laughs> I obviously we're still good friends now, so I don't want to say anything nice about him. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, you guys were obviously you know from from those of us being around the team, you guys were really really tight on on that team. And you know, did, did you grow? Did you guys grow up playing together? Ah uh, no. So we met each other. I think it was my. 18 year old year um and he was 17 um and yeah just we just became good friends and we're we work out together now so it's uh obviously nice to see him every day and um yeah the the friendship has continued all right how about a guy you played with in buffalo and tyler ennis uh skilled fast quick and he's hilarious (laughs) off the ice he is (laughs) Very, very funny. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Miller. Uh, very calculated, I'll say. Everything everything he did from how he played goal to off the ice, he was always in control and very well thought out and spoke very well. And mm-hmm. yeah, he was. Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, awesome. 
I mean, he was, he was one of those guys that did everything. Um, you know, he'd be literally the first, you say this a lot, but the first guy on the ice, just working on things around the net that he felt that his weren't up to par. Um, but we're obviously head and shoulders above a lot of guys in the league. Um, and then at the end of practice, we'd be on the ice for an hour and a half. He would bring out these little tools and devices to stick handle around. And uh, he, he's just one of the best professionals I've ever seen, uh, ever seen live. He was, he was, he was awesome. And obviously he has had some, yeah. a lot of success the last couple of years. And that is absolutely no surprise. Yeah. Consmith winner, uh, Jack Eichel. Yeah. We talked about Connor McDavid earlier. What about Jack Eichel? Yeah. Uh, same thing fast. Um, like wiry. He's just so athletic where he's just so springy and, um, just very dangerous. You know, he's got everything. Uh, I think if he didn't go in the year that McDavid was drafted, I think he is a, you know, a first overall pick. Um, and he's continued to show how dominant he can be in the, in the NHL. Uh, Robin Leonard, uh, another goaltender that you played with. Robin Leonard. Uh, Solid. Uh, he was always, uh, you know, he, he had struggled with some stuff um, off the ice, but he always came to work and, and did everything right. And uh, even on his off nights, he was still, you know, solid and working hard. And, and that's one thing that didn't seem to ever, ever really leave him. Mm-hmm. He seems like a, he's just a guy for a lot of people to look up to that, you know, have mental health issues like myself. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, the more he is open about it, other players will realize that it's not a hindrance and, and can get the help. So he's done a really good job in, in that regard. How about Yarmer Yager? I mean, the legend, Yarmer <laughs> yeah. Yager. What was that like? That was really cool uh, seeing him and, and obviously just playing with a guy that's been playing for 20 years in the league. Um, you look at some of his videos of when he started to <laughs> – you know, modern day, it's, it's a big change and he's been successful all the way through. Um, I think just hard work and he was, he would wear ankle weights in practice on his skates. He'd wear a weight vest to skate around. He was always, always looking to improve himself, which is obviously why he had such success. He was a really quiet guy when he came into the league, obviously, as a lot of guys are. But from, you know, Jason Strudwick has told some stories of when they played together. He seems like a pretty funny guy, too, in Yager. Yeah, absolutely. And he's one of those funny guys that when he says something, it's extremely funny because yeah. you're just not <laughs> expecting him to pipe in and he says something. And, and it's, yeah, he's very, very funny in that sense as well. Uh, one of the most underrated players, in my opinion, in the NHL is uh, Alexander Barkov. Um, what do you what what comes to mind with him? Yeah, underrated. I think he's uh, he's very quiet off the ice, and he he goes about his business. Um, you know, similar to to Ryan O'Reilly, where there's always he's always working on something and always wanting to improve. He has that that mindset that there's always something to be done uh, to help his game and. Um, I think, yeah, playing in Florida, he doesn't get quite the recognition that, that I think he, that I myself, and I'm sure everyone that's played with him or seen him, uh, thinks that he should get, but, um, yeah, he is, he's big, he's strong, he's unbelievable with the puck. It's, he does stuff in practice that 
that made us all look pretty stupid. <laughs> uh, how, about, how about Jonathan Huberto? Huberto, he's the same thing. He, um, he effortless. I'd say that he looks like he just goes out and he's out for, you know, a shinny skate. And then at the end of the night, he's got six points. Like he's <laughs> just, he's just one of those guys that if you're, he's, he's not like going a million miles an hour when he does it, but he'll still find a way to get a two on one or find a way to put a pass right through six guys skates. Like he, he's just, I think he's one of the best passers I've ever seen live. Uh, it was frustrating, obviously, in two on ones in practice. But he, he and he just made it look so so effortless. He was, uh, yeah, he's a spectacular player. All right, and let's end with uh, Roberto Luongo, who who I think easily has the best Twitter profile of any yeah, uh, current or former pro player. He's awesome, but you know a, another veteran player that just seemed like he was really good in that locker room from from just the stories you hear. Yeah, I think just a leader. He was uh, obviously they named him captain in Vancouver the one year, how that went, uh, and it, it was for a reason. It was he's he had control of the room. Everybody respected him, uh, obviously for what he's done and how long he's been around, but also because he he gave respect to everyone else. And um, he's in the organization now, and and he's going to do great things. Uh, you know, from the front office side of it, he's. Um, I think he probably now <laughs> enjoys that more than he did playing the last couple <laughs> of years. Um, he was always, uh, you know, he's a big guy into the fantasy football and being a GM. So I could see him being a GM soon and he's uh, extremely intelligent and um, yeah, he's going to have a good, uh, good long career uh, in the front office or head office, whatever he decides to do. Yeah, or just keep being funny on Twitter because uh, like, <laughs> yeah, or yeah, like he loves me. His self-deprecating humor is awesome, man. Like I, yeah. I just absolutely love it. No, he was he was awesome, and and he was same same thing. One of those guys that when he made a joke, everyone was listening already, and uh, it cracked the boys up. Oh, that's good stuff, Mark. This has been so much fun. Uh, it's been great to get to know you over the years, and I uh, can't wait to watch your career continue in Dallas with the Stars. Uh, all the best to you and your family. Absolutely. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. The tide's out, I'm in love with my lover. This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. Zigzags, loose change, and a brand new diamond ring. The bottom of a beach bag. That was an awesome conversation uh, with a guy, like I said, I met when he was, uh, you know, even before he was a Bantam pick as an athlete of the week in a tiny cold arena. And that was also the sounds of uh, Sweet Jesus from their debut album, Policeman's Creek. You can find it on Apple Music. They are the official band and music of Sports and More, the podcast. Kevin Dabbs and Christian Gutzis make up Sweet Bejesus. Check them out. Great stuff from a Alberta band. And that was great stuff from uh, Alberta hockey player Mark Pesek. Uh, grew up in Sherwood Park. Uh, really enjoyed that conversation. We'll have one-timers with Mark a little bit later where you'll find out, and you might be a little bit surprised about who his favorite hockey team was as a kid. 
I, I think most people would be a little bit surprised at his answer uh, for that. All right, uh, we have to certainly get to a few more things uh, before we go. This is a serious message. Peace and love. Peace and love. The Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports poll question. What is your favorite Oil Kings memory? Uh, I gave a few choices, but I'd also you know, love to hear from you uh, with your own if it's not on the list. Uh, so you can have your say at Duck Millard. Or you can uh, email us, sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. So your choices are their first game in 2007 when they return. This is the modern day. You can vote in on the, some of the other uh, incarnations of the Oil Kings if you'd like to as well. Number two, their first WHL championship. Number three, their first Memorial Cup title, which came in 2014. And other, you tell me. So... I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts on this wonderful hockey team that is on the way up again. Uh, man, it would have been interesting to see the playoffs, but some of the guys that they have coming in the next little while that are going to come into their own, they're already on the team. It's going to be exciting. So, so far, uh, the 2014 Memorial Cup title is leading the way with a 69.6% of the vote. Number two is the 2012 WHL Championship. That has 21.7% of the vote. The first game has 4.3% of the vote, and other has also 4.3% of the vote. And uh, Guy Flaming, uh, who is on the broadcast for some of these moments, uh, says winning the WHL Championship in Game 7 on the road in Portland Either that or the marathon overtime win against Valdor in the semifinal of the Memorial Cup. Biased answers, but it was awesome to have been a part of the broadcast for both of those with Corey Graham. And uh, a few other ones that uh, we came in, and those are uh, obviously uh, great memories. That overtime game was uh, was wild. There was an over-the-glass penalty in that game that I thought was certainly going to and the Oil Kings season. Uh, this one from Alberta Brain says, seeing a game se- seeing game seven at Rexall Place in 2012, Oil Kings got the lead, then shot them down. Awarding a championship trophy in person is a nice experience. Certainly, and that's what Mark uh, talked a lot about uh, in that interview, is uh, being able to win in uh, game seven at Rexall. And um, you know, he said he never got to play there uh, as an NHL player, uh, but got to lift a trophy uh, at that, as a captain at that uh, location, awesome for me. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to be uh, uh, sitting uh, for for a lot of years besides Gee Flaming. Gee Flaming and I would sit beside each other at these games and watch these memories, and uh, or you know, I had the pleasure of sitting and meeting a lot of scouts. For me, 2012, and I said this to Mark. I, in person, have never seen a better goaltending uh, performance. You know, Dwayne Rollison was awesome in 06. Laurent Brassois was on a different planet in 2012. Uh, And listen, Tristan Jari got them over the hump in 2014 and won the Memorial Cup and helped them. Uh, Brassois was sick and ill at the 2012 tournament. Uh, But man, he was lights out in that. uh, And and you heard Mark talk about it. But I I just don't remember a goaltending dominating. Like, you know, certain guys stick in my memory. Marion Hosa, I think it was 98 um, WHL championship, destroyed the Wheat Kings. 
And Marion Hossa is the best junior hockey player I've ever seen. And Brassois' performance in 2012 really stands out for me. So that's why I went with uh, the 2012 championship because it's just, it was, and I got to see so much of it at that arena. So what is yours? You can vote at Duck Millard on Twitter to have your say. First game in 07, first title in 2012, first Memorial Cup in 2014, or other you tell me uh, would love to hear your thoughts on that all right let's get to perfect player now and uh, we're having some fun with this one. Uh, oh, by the way i want you to check out uh, www.uffsports.com if you love fantasy do me a favor go check it out it is high stakes but high reward so it's not for the fan of heart uh, you're going to have to have a little bit of a financial backing to uh, uh, you know but pool together Throw a bunch of money with some buddies and get after it. All right, let's get after Perfect Player. Doing horror villains. Take three horror villains and combine them into the best who would make the ultimate horror villain. So right off the bat, I'm going with Jason. A, he's got staying power. This guy, you just can't keep him down. And the other thing is, he just goes about his business. He's a workman's-like villain. He just gets out there with the machete or the rod or the cleaver or whatever. He's also very inventive. Uh, and he goes after it. So, you know, he he is, I, uh, he's the, the, the dependable. Every time you call his name and he jumps over the boards, you know what you're getting. This other guy, I was I was reluctant, to, reluctant rather, to put him on my list. But he has some unique abilities, and it's Freddy Krueger. I don't like Freddy's stand-up comedian act. I think it gets lame, but he has the ability to get people in his sleep. That's just, that's just a skill you can't pass up when you're at the draft table. So uh, definitely uh, Freddy Krueger uh, would get uh, in there because of his unique abilities. And, and then I'm going with Reagan from The Exorcist. Um, it's a possession, so you you, you know you kind of never know what you're going to get. It's a bit of a wild card, but you know anytime you can get somebody that can do the crab walk down the stairs or turn their head all the way around, you know that's definitely a skill set that you don't want to be ignoring on the uh, horror circuit draft. So. Jason, Freddie, and Reagan are uh, the three that I'm going with and the uh, perfect player when it comes to horror villains. Uh, let me know what you think at Duck Millard, uh, or you can get a hold of us uh, a few different ways as well. You can email us, sportsandmorepod at gmail.com, and you can check it out on Facebook and on uh, Instagram as well. We are up there. And, uh, yeah, that is pretty much going to wrap things up for this episode of Sports and More. Big thanks to Mark Pesic, uh for taking some time uh, out of his very busy schedule to join me on this show as he's probably putting a blanket around him right now or an extra sweater because it's so cold out there. I heard there was uh, flurries. Um, he's going to be cranking up his heat in his house. But big thanks to Mark. Great guy. I had the pleasure of uh, getting to know his family a little bit through some uh, different stories we did. And he, he comes from great people. And uh, best of luck to him with the Dallas Stars. Thanks to you for listening and watching as well. You can find past episodes and much more at podcastalley.ca where you can check out all different kinds of shows that I have going. You can also get in touch with me at sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. That's sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. Dot com if you'd like to get in touch uh, with a question or maybe you'd like to get involved as an advertiser. We have lots of different options available. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, as we go, 
as we always do. We leave you with a little ditty from Sweet But Jesus. Uh, This is a song we're going with uh, the huge song, it's called, from Sweet But Jesus. You can check out their debut album at Policeman's Creek. Big thanks to Mark Pesek for joining us on the program today and for you, the listener and the viewer. Have yourself a great week. Go Dodgers. Playtime is over. All the things that grow up on the land I could pick up with my huge hands I could wave to someone in Yucatan If I held up my two huge hands I could bury everyone in sand If I only had those two huge hands Maybe I could reach you then Maybe I could touch you Show off my